Welcome back, everyone, to After the Sermon Ends. We know that after the sermon ends, the conversations begin. Today, I am just joined by Pastor Marcus Donaldson. Um, surprisingly, the the pastor who preached the message this past Sunday, uh, Jared, is not here. Um, do you know where he where he is? He's Marcus? on a workcation. Workcation in we think Cancun. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll see Jared another time. But I uh, hope he has uh, some good work and rest while he's there. Um, but this week he preached on. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, following from the golden rule passage you were preaching on last week, Marcus. Uh, do you have a recap or do you want me to try to provide a recap? Go ahead, recap it. All right. So he's talking in this uh, in this passage about the narrow and the wide gate. Wide is the way and easy to find is the, the wide gate. And a lot of people are going down it. The, the narrow way is, is pressed in. It is hard. Uh, it is hard to find, and uh, those that find it are few. Um, and he, he really gave us kind of a gut punch, which is why I wanted him here, so he could kind of... Uh, punch uh, ex- us again? Yeah, punch us again, uh, and, pu- and punch the readers in the gut as well. But uh, I guess we'll have to do that today. But really, it's just like, it's all about relinquishing control of our lives. Like Jesus is presenting, you either are going to follow me, or you're not. I think that's the, the whole rest of... Uh, this Sermon on the Mount is he's giving these two choices and he starts with these two roads. And, you know, it's when we choose that narrow path, it's going to be relinquishing control of our lives. Whereas, you know, if we want to pursue our truth, pursue our preferences, like it's just going to be so easy to fall down that wide gate. Mm -hmm. So you want to explain for us a little bit about these, um, the two roads and the the two choices that Jesus is laying out and maybe it gets into you know, the next few messages, but um, how is Jesus kind of wrapping up his sermon here? Well, so here we, we see the conclusion, or the, at least the beginning of the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount, like you were alluding to, but he he starts with a, a word of command, right? Enter by the narrow gate. So this is like, you've heard the entire Sermon on the Mount, and we know uh, just from the beginning of our study, and then we've tried to... Um, keep it in the front of our mind that pretty often, but that there are two groups uh, listening to this, right? There are the disciples who are his immediate audience, then there's the onlooking crowds or eavesdropping crowds. And it's to these eavesdropping crowds that he commands to enter by the narrow gate. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking for the verb. I can't find it right now, but either way, what we, what we see is that that this command, it's not a suggestion. It's not a, hey, after you've heard all of this, you can, um, you don't have to make a decision. It's decision time, right? right? Like um, I've heard a, a preacher say this week that it's it's decision time on the mountain. And no decision is a decision to the broad road yeah. or the, the broad path, the broad gate. And, you know, like no decision is a decision. So Jesus is calling his audience to, uh, make a decision, and obviously both of these say that they're the way to heaven, right? Which makes it incredibly difficult uh, for us today, because no one's going to say, "Hey, this way to hell," right? It's always, "Hey, this is the way to heaven. This is the way to peace with God. With God. This is the way uh, to righteousness. Do this, do that, do this, do that." But what Jesus is saying, and really what the entire New Testament teaches, all the way through. Um, the first century church is that there's only one way to heaven and that's through Christ. Right. Where did uh, Jared read 
Not I am the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah. What is that? John uh, 14, 6. Yep. I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one come, can come to the Father except through me. There, There is no other way. Yeah. Right? So here on the mountain, we're at a fork in the road. and We have to make a decision. Either we're going to go down, we're going to enter through that narrow gate, and we're going to follow that, that narrow path where we can't bring anyone with us, we can't bring our sin with us, we can't even bring our self-righteousness with us. We have to go alone with just ourselves and walk this narrow path. So I think it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one, one question I was really thinking through this morning was, like, do you think the exclusivity of the gospel is, is something that people in, in our general vicinity, in our culture, really struggle with? Because we, we always hear about, you know, Jesus is the only way. And yeah, like, do you have any thoughts on that? Like, is it something that we actively struggle with? Or is there something more in this passage that we struggle with? I think that, at least from from what I hear and know about the area, I think that a lot of people have heard the gospel. But I think that what I've seen, at least, is an understanding that Oh well, I've heard it. I was in youth group. I my parents took me to church, so I'm saved. Right. I really don't have a conversion experience. I really don't have a, a moment in time where I remember turning from my sin and trusting in Jesus's death and resurrection for the forgiveness of sins. So I'm a Christian. Yeah. And everything in Scripture tells us that that's not the case, right? You're you're not a Christian just because you went to church. You're not a Christian just because. Your grandmother was a Christian, which is what Jesus, um, Jesus, which is what Jared said on uh, on Sunday, part of that gut punch. And you're not a Christian just because you want to do good things yeah. and, and you believe in God. It's it's only you're only a Christian when you have been born again, which is through, excuse me, through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, and you know there may be you know other parts of the world or even other parts of the country. That, that struggle war, more with this concept of the exclusivity of the gospel. You know, we have the, the coexist movement of like there are multiple ways to God. There's, you know, different religions around the world that, you know, advocate for a, a third option, the, the, the middle way or just removing yourself from, from any desire or things like that. But I, I really think, you know, when, when we look about the, the culture in Gainesville, Georgia, sur- like immediately surrounding city church and even people at our church, it, it doesn't seem like, you know, it's, it's easy to accept intellectually, at least that, you know, Jesus is the only way, like we, we've heard it always. And like, that's just, oh yeah, I, I generally agree with that. But I think that the harder statement and the qualifier that Jesus has in this passage is the way is hard and few are those that find it. And I think, you know, when we're sharing with people around here, I think the emphasis should be on you know, on that surrender and on that relinquishing of control and that the, the, this life is not going to be easy and, and, and pushing against that rather than saying, yeah, Jesus, following Jesus is the, is the easiest thing in the world. And it's, it's making Jesus the Lord of your life is, has, has been the, a big push, I think, um, lately for, for us at City Church. Yeah. And I mean, we're just, we're just following scripture. Mm-hmm. The, the reality is if there were 200 ways to to eternal life, Jared, me, you, whoever preaches and teaches would teach every single one of them. Right. But there's only one. One of the undercurrents that I that I didn't really mention 
there's like a a smaller, more subtle population existing within the the area that believes that you can lose your salvation, mm. which is is very harmful because that means that you believe in a gospel of faith and works. All right, Jesus did his part. Now I got to do mine to keep it, and that makes. Um, this very difficult, especially in light of passages where we're talking about the the difficulty of of this path. Yeah, but that doesn't suggest that we need to keep our or we need to strive to earn our salvation or maintain our salvation. We cannot lose it. But what makes this path so difficult, not only to find but difficult to to stay on, is like we'll see um, this Sunday that there are false teachers. Um, who are trying to pull you back onto the broad path. Um, and then even in ourselves, our flesh desires to be on the broad path. It's so much easier, right? It, it's such an easy walk. This narrow path is is a struggle to stay on. Yeah, and I think that just, you know, kind of, it's it's the tension we feel with, I guess you can call it the, the election of Jesus, you know, of, you know, who he or who he reveals himself to, is, is the one who finds the narrow gate. Like the mystery of the gospel is revealed. The, their eyes are opened, the, the scales fall away, and, and we think that there's something in us that can control that. Right. But, you know, it's, it's the following, it's the commitment after that fact, you know, after we become those kingdom citizens that doesn't keep us on the narrow road, but it's, it's evidence that we are on the narrow road. Right. And, you know, if you constantly find yourself, you know, giving into the sin and there's no, there's no conviction and there's no, um, emphasis to being, being pressured towards that eternal life, then you may need to reevaluate and see which path you're on. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and he, and Jared said something, probably the, the most convicting part of his, or yeah, most convicting quote he had was conviction without commitment is deadly. And, he was just talking about like you can be inspired on a Sunday and then just forget about it at, by lunchtime. Yep. Right. And I think that's so common, even especially in my life where, you know, I'm convicted over a sin or convicted over how I acted the day before by, by a message or conv- like wanting to change so much. And then, you know, by lunch or by the next day, it's like I'm on to the next worry or I'm, I'm on to the next focus of my life. And there's no real emphasis to, align that with, with what Jesus wants. Yeah. And, and I think that what you mentioned there is important because I have conversations with, with people all the time that want to tell me or how to do my job, but also how other pastors and preachers should do their job. And it's like, man, you know, they need to be inspirational. They need to be this. And absolutely. I agree with them to, to a degree that pastors should, inspire people, that they should um, motivate people. But the motivation that, this is where I start to disagree, the motivation that they're looking for is motivation in self, inspiration in self. And and my understanding of this job is to motivate people to trust in Christ, to surrender to Christ, even Christians, continually surrendering, um, continually lifting up um, Jesus' name, the Father's name, well, the triune God, let's just be short. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, yeah. um, lifting up their name and not Josh or John, not Marcus or not whoever yeah. it is in the audience. Now, I, I think what what's important, though, is 
especially when talking to Christians, is on this narrow road because it's so difficult, because it's um, you know hard hard to find, hard to navigate, hard to right agonizomai is the verb that I was thinking about. But walking this path, we have to agonize as we walk through it. Yeah, and we do need to be inspired by our brothers and sisters in Christ. We do need to be inspired by our pastors, preachers, and Bible teachers, but it's always in, uh, an inspiration that makes Jesus more and makes us less. It, it, it draws us from trying to take our self-righteousness on this path. It draws us from trying to take um, our sins with us on this path, leaving them behind to follow the Lord down this path. That's good. Let's see. Another question I had was there's that verb there of um, of those who find their narrow gate. Um, do you think there's any emphasis with with that verb there? What's the verb? And what F- verse? Find in verse 14. Okay. Are you looking in the Greek? Yep. Okay. What does it say? Yep. <laughs> it's like hero hero kistones or hero hero contes. It's it's very difficult. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was just thinking through that where it says, you know, those who are going on the path of the wide gate, like those just, let me read it real quick. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter it, enter by it are many. Mm-hmm. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. So it's just kind of assumed then that, you know, the way of destruction is easy to find. And if you're there, you're just going to enter it. It's, it's a funnel. It's just going to suck you in. And like, it's just natural that you're going to go there. Yep. But like you said about, about agonizing over uh, our walk of this, this narrow gate, it's like those who find it are few. Like, yep. yes, the mystery has to be revealed to us of the gospel, but we also have to agonize over this walk. And you know, what, what re- what religion at like advocates other than like some depreciation religion like what religion advocates for agonizing over trying to find the right way other than the, this holy spirit inspiration that we have yeah i mean I, I think you could well maybe i would i would argue all of them but they're probably what you would title as like deprecating deprecating yeah um religions but I think you see that in Buddhism. I think you see that in Islam. I think you even see it in Judaism, Mm -hmm. where we would say that all of these roads are broad um, because, one, they don't enter by the narrow gate, which is Christ, um, and then they don't agonize to walk down this road. Now, you're way more versed on Buddhism than I am. So, But from what I understand, it's about you know, living in ascetic life to where yeah. um, you transcend into nirvana. You essentially become one with God. You don't have needs, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. All that to say, though, I'm sure there's a lot of um, agony over what they perceive to be sin, for lack of a better term. Islam, sort of the same, uh, very legalistic. And then Juda- Judaism, we know to be legalistic as well. So in in each of these there's there's a struggle to let go of of self, but at the same time they promote self in that the more I let go of self, the more righteous I am. The the more I trust God, the more I trust this higher power Buddha, 
the more righteous I become. Now, where we would differ is <laughs> the more I let go, the more dependent I am on Christ. Yeah. The the his finished work on the cross is the only way that I'm righteous. The mm-hmm. only way that anybody's righteous, his righteousness that is given to us through faith. Um, so we cannot earn a righteousness. We cannot take a step on this walk in ourselves. It's only um, through the, the power of the Holy Spirit that, that we can do anything worthwhile for his kingdom, but none of that makes us more righteous. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, and so then uh, Jared took us into um, you know three deceptions that the wide gate has for us. Do you, do you have those? Nope. I was up? on security. Oh, you were on security. What, what was the building secure? Mostly. Mostly. <laughs> yeah. So the, the three deceptions that, that Jared gave for that was one, it's easy to get through Two, it's heavenly. And so I want to pause there before we get to the third one. And, you know, it was, it was just so interesting that he listed it off as heavenly, like that this wide gate promises joy and fulfillment and it promises you know that it's like you got to come and try this it's it's heaven like that's what jared was saying on sunday and and how powerful of a draw that can be sometimes but it's heavenly it's heaven like it's not heaven yep and ultimately the way is going to lead to destruction any thoughts on that yeah that's kind of what i was saying at the top both ways promise eternal life both ways promise heaven but only one way does and that's important to remember because what you'll what you'll see in this on this broad path which you mentioned is that there are many on it there and and this is why it gets so um, problematic or maybe not problematic but difficult in the West is that we emphasize these we emphasize numbers we emphasize building size we emphasize um, worship style we emphasize all the wrong things. And what we see is that is that a, a lot of times some of these um, bigger churches, not to knock on bigger churches, that's not what I want it to be, but that there are places that, that draw people in like businesses. And in that drawing, they use marketing, they use, um, you know, these, these different modes and means to, to draw people in, which is all great. But... If we're not preaching and teaching the true gospel, which is why this Sunday is going to be uh, very telling, I think, of Western culture or Western Christian culture anyways, there are going to be many on this path when you draw them in with business tactics. But when you draw people in with just the gospel, you'll see how many actually come. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be a lot less. So. Yeah, and that and that's that final point there is like is everyone is doing it. Yep. And I think that's such a, a big a big draw when when there's so many people going for these different areas, these different pursuits, and it's difficult to go against that. It's yep. difficult to run, to run away from that and and to go the narrow path that you only see a few people truly walking on. And especially when when you have like friends or family that are that are going that way, it makes it so much easier to to fall into that. But because of Christ, because of his Holy Spirit, like we are able to be convinced of this narrow path. But ultimately, we, like Jared wrapped it up saying like this, this wide gate leads to destruction and it will always disappoint. It disguises itself as presenting freedom, but it will always disappoint and leave us uh, broken and in, in, in bondage. Um, and, you know, he, he brought up Romans 6.21 where it says, 
but what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? It's like, what fruit was there uh, from these things? It doesn't give you any benefit. It promises it. Yeah, you know, it definitely tastes like it in the moment. But what, what meat is there? What fruit is there of the things of which you are now ashamed? That's a powerful and convicting verse. Yeah, let me read this quote. This is a letter written... Um, to a Melbourne, Australia daily newspaper, and and this is the the heart of somebody who's on that broad road to destruction. It says this quote: After hearing Dr. Billy Graham on the air, viewing him on the television, and reading reports and letters concerning him and his mission, I am heartily sick of the type of religion that insists my soul and everyone else's needs saving, whatever that means. I've never felt that I was lost, nor did I or nor do I feel that I daily wallow in the mire of sin, although repetitive preaching insists that I do. Give me a practical religion that teaches gentleness and tolerance, that acknowledges no barriers of color creed, color or creed, that remembers the aged and teaches children of goodness and not sin. If in order to save my soul I must accept such a philosophy as I have recently heard preached, I prefer to remain forever damned. So th- this is now... This is obviously very strong, but I think what what a lot of people think church is is just a a nice social club or it's a cool book club and and I don't know about all the churches in Gainesville. I don't know about all the churches around the world, but that's definitely not what we're trying to be at city church we yeah we we all struggle with sin, and we don't want to single anybody out. All right, we're a place where everyone's welcome because no one's perfect, but we're we are focused on worshiping God in spirit and truth, in pursuing Christ, and and becoming like Him in in our daily walk and in our corporate walk. Um, and and obviously that's difficult, right? There, I mean, you know, there are seasons where one person struggles, where a bunch of people struggle, yeah. um, and and we have to to balance that as best as we know. Um, how to biblically with um, being gracious and merciful and reflecting those characters of our Lord, but then also maintaining some sort of order and discipline to where it's like, hey, like you got to repent of this. You you cannot keep coming here if you're going to continue to live in sin and drag people down with you. We are not promoting that at all. Yeah, for sure. And you know, we, we go, like going back to that quote. You know, Jared also said this on Sunday of like narrow mindedness is the nature of truth. And he's calling out the church and Billy Graham for preaching a gospel that is narrow minded because it's not, you know, equitable to others and not gentle and loving towards others. And it's good that this guy recognizes, I'm I'm assuming it's a guy, (laughs) that this guy recognizes that there is a need for those things in the world. But we also need to be reminded that it is true that this world is broken and that sin is in the world and that, and that we do need saving. Like that's where that, that veil is. And yeah, that may be, that may seem narrow minded for someone who feels like they don't need to be saved. But if we, if we truly accept and surrender to the truth of, of, yeah, we are sinful and we are in need of a savior. Like that's what leads us into realizing that Jesus is that savior. Mm -hmm. And, and people, you know, say that, that the church is narrow minded and Jared's response was, yes, we are right because we are so focused on the gospel yeah. because that is the only truth that we proclaim. And Jesus is the only way. And 
and we don't need to be apologetic about that. Nope. And that's where it gets um, not difficult. Uh, it, it was difficult for me at a point, right? Like you have to confront friends, family members, and even strangers with, hey, there's only one way. And it, to a certain extent, it became, well, actually to a full extent, it became freeing and liberating. It's like, if you don't, if, if you don't want it, if you don't recognize your need, well, my job isn't to save you. That's the Lord's. But I can faithfully present the gospel the only way to salvation. Um, and yes, I am narrow-minded. Yes, I, I don't believe that there are 200 ways to salvation. Um, yes, I only believe that there's one. And if you can't accept that, well, I, I can't. I, I can only... Um, I can only share with you the the only way that I know and trust. Um, but other than that, I mean, tough stuff, you know. Right, right. So we're winding down here, um, but yeah. So just one one final like quick, I guess, practical takeaway. Like, what would you tell someone who is trying to present the, these two ways, like just like a, to a family member, uh, uh, in a in a in a gentle, loving way in a way that makes sense, but, and also in a convicting way, like what, how, how would you best go about that situation? Well, what I've found to be most effective is just to read scripture. Mm -hmm. Scripture is, you don't have to defend it. You don't have to, well, you know, obviously you have to defend it to some extent as far as helping it make sense and, and confronting counter arguments, but whatever. The point is I, I would I would read these two verses and simply ask them which path are you on. Right. And if they were if they said I'm on the the narrow path, the one that leads to eternal life, I'd say, "Well, how do you know that you're on the the narrow path?" And and if their answer did not include because one day I repented and believed or trusted in Jesus's death and resurrection for the forgiveness of sin, well, then we'd have to go all the way back to that fork in the road and say, well, then that means you're on the broad path. You've you've entered through the broad gate, like, because Jesus is the gate, right? So if you're not coming through Christ, there's no other way to God. John 14, 6, uh, like we talked about earlier. No one can come to the Father except through him. Right. So if it's anything other than Jesus, you are not on the broad path. So read these verses, ask them where they're at, listen to their answer and then help them to understand that Jesus is the gate, help them understand that they have to come through him and what that looks like. And then that's where the, we lay out the whole gospel. That's good. Yeah. Jared also was presented this really well on Sunday of like, you know, we, we, we love people where, the, where they are too, you know, like, yes, there, there is this narrow path, but that doesn't mean we have to be belligerent with right. people. And we love people where they're at. And so the, the, what I would say is, you know, if, if, if we know the truth, we just present that truth. Like you, like you're saying with presenting scripture, we, we know truth, we present truth, and then we love sinners and what, whatever that looks like, you know, that there are people in our lives that, that we need to love and, and we can do it in, in a gentle way. We don't have to share the gospel in a belligerent way. And we just, we just love them where they're at and and present that truth and, and then leave the rest up to god we like the result is is based on what what god wants to do in that moment it's not based on how how well we present it yeah when i when i first after the lord saved me i mean you know the story but 
I became consumed with the gospel. Like I wanted to find out where the gospel was in scripture, which verse it was. Come to find out, you know, it's it's a bunch of verses. Now you could say like John three sixteen, you could say, but anyways, to to faithfully present Jesus's death and resurrection for the forgiveness of sin, you're you're going down a few different verses. Anyways, as I when I first got started with this this all-consuming passion to share the gospel, I was sharing it with um, everyone that I'd come across, which is great. That's admirable, right? But where it became problematic for me was I would I would argue with people every <laughs> single day. Yeah, like I'd share the gospel with them, they'd reject it or they'd be unsure, and then every day I saw them, I would just so where are you at? So where are you at? So where are you at? And um, what I've learned over the over the years is share the gospel faithfully. First, uh, pray for this person. Pray that the that the Lord would open a door for you to share the gospel. Once that door is open, I mean, that's the Lord opening the door for you. So go ahead and share faithfully. Once you share faithfully, whether they reject completely or are unsure, maybe don't hassle them so much. You know, like... Give them some time to think about it. Give them some time yeah. to, you know, whatever. But what I'm getting at is I was I was more hassling people mm-hmm. with that decision point rather than, hey, I've faithfully presented it. Now it's the Lord's turn to do his work. Yeah. And if he opens another door, absolutely follow up. And what that meant for me is if they came up to me with a question, um, if, they, if they had something happen, right, like a loss in the family or something going on at home, great opportunity to just find out where they are. And actually, so this, one of the guys that, that I worked with in the army and one of the guys that I'd been praying for since I left, he recently was saved in Tennessee and he wow, texted me awesome. a picture. Yeah. He texted me a picture of him getting baptized and everything, wow. both hands raised. Like he, he was pumped and he was excited. And he said, it feels good to, to finally feel good. Mm-hmm. And he was, you know, he was very thankful for all the hassling and tough conversations that him and I had, even the disagreements. But I mean, at the time I felt like a jerk most days. So, yeah. but what happened is over the course of the last two or three years, him and I haven't really talked. Yeah. Didn't mean that I loved him any less. Didn't mean that I I didn't like him or anything else. But I was like, Lord, I, all I could do for him now is pray. If yeah. I text him, call him, bother him all the time, it's just going to keep pushing him further away. I've presented it faithfully. Yeah. Now uh, I'm trusting that, that you'll work. And if you don't, you're still good. Yeah, that's good. I think that's a great way to end. Listener, thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that you got some benefit out of this conversation and maybe have some uh, practical takeaways that you can take into uh, your daily life to, to share the gospel with those around you. Uh, we are definitely praying into that uh, as a church body that we would share the gospel with those around us in the city of Gainesville. Um, you can join us this Wednesday uh, for small groups starting at uh, 6 p.m. for our meal and 6.30 for the, the basics lesson. And then we meet on Sundays at 10 a.m. in uh, Gainesville. Uh, thank you again. Until next time.